Hello, it is Bring It In with me, Gerard Hector, and Coach David Thorpe. It is not Friday, it's Monday. No Henry Abbott because his computer doesn't like Riverside. I don't know. <laughs> We're going to manage without him. <laughs> we will manage without him. I know he's very excited because his Portland Trailblazers won the Summer League Championship. I mean, let's be real. That's the only championship they winning anytime soon. So you got to take your victories and wins where you can get them. Uh, but Coach, I know you, you had some overall thoughts about Summer League in general. That, you know, we, we probably share the same about, you know, teams that use it brightly or smartly and teams that just don't. Yeah, I mean, you know, you, not every team wants to win. Uh, I was even surprised that a couple of teams that had a chance to make the championship game, depending on how game four went for them, didn't even play their Like the Pacers had a chance to get there and they didn't play ben, Benedict Matherin because he had a couple of good games. Uh, who knows how Orlando might have been had they played Ben, ben Kara more than two games, but. Uh, I don't understand it. I don't. I. I. I do understand it if um, this is a Team USA event and guys like Jason Tatum get worn down for the season because they, you know, uh, how intense those games are. This is not that. I, these guys have lots of time to recover, in my opinion, before they play again. So I don't know why they're not playing more. I think that. The mistakes you make in these games are great reference points for your next workouts and and some successes some successes you might have if coached right become reference points to well I need to do it better against more NBA guys I mean some things will translate no matter what but whatever this is we'll see we'll see how Portland does if you know if it turns out three four years from now they're one of the better franchises I will will look to this summer as okay. It was a step in the right direction. Uh, I think yeah. really good coaches find ways to win games, no matter who they have, typically. And Summer League is no no exception. So um, the coaches that coach well t- tend to do better unless they just played nobody, which is the case in some for some franchises. Uh, I wouldn't. I don't get too high or too low, no matter what how a guy shoots, whatever how he moves matters. But even some case of you know Kenneth Lofton Jr. is an exciting looking player. He needs to lose a lot of weight mm-hmm. still. If he does that, I think the Grizzlies got themselves a keeper. Uh, and surprisingly, someone didn't draft him because it really is all that's left for him is to lose weight and, and, be, and then he's an NBA player for mm-hmm. sure. Um, we knew that going in. And no one drafts him. It's weird to me. But uh, that's what we have. Is you, you just have one team to like you, and then you got to do your part. Well, you know, it's something that, you know, we always talk about, right? Smart teams tend to make yeah, smart decisions, yeah. right? And dumb teams tend to make yeah. dumb decisions. And, you know, why wouldn't you take Summer League seriously, right? At, at the end of Summer League, whether you're trying to win the championship or not, to your point, if you're the, your team's development group, your scouting department, your coaches, you got a binder on all the guys that were on your team. And you get like, okay, we got some things we know. Hey, and, you know, you break up into columns. Something you mentioned last year where you talked about in high school when you had players, you ranked them yeah. every Sunday where they are, right? So, you're like, look, here are players we see, ooh, with the right, whatever, they can have a legitimate chance of making the roster. This group of guys, okay, G League for them, but things go right, an injury, whatever, they can move up. And I'm, not, I'm sure teams are doing this, but, you know, use it to your advantage, right? It's another opportunity, is your point, to have reference points because we know when the season starts, the varsity guys are going to take all the minutes or most of the minutes, right? So you want something to be able to look back to and reference and use within the G League when these guys are there to say, okay, keep playing, doing our system, doing our thing. Because we, we always say, 
something's going to happen in the season. Someone's going to twist an ankle. Something's going to happen. So you might have a chance to get called up. And a guy like uh, Kenneth Lofton Jr., I, you know, I love him because he's on the Grizzlies, obviously. But, you know, you see him, and I think a lot of teams were like, uh, fat guy, probably can't do much. You know, and it's like, well, at your own peril, because I think if the Grizzlies get him, you know, which he obviously is in their system, and they develop him right with their development coaches, I think he can be a valuable piece for them. And, you know, with our lovely stat that we created with Stephen Alardi and Henry and um, uh, Dugson Three's guy, yep, uh, Taylor Snar. He's a guy that could be a huge candidate for bonus wins, right? And this is the margins are how you do well in this league. You know what your max guys and your super max guys are going to get. All well and good, fine. But you got to get those $2 million players to be playing like, oh, you're giving us $12 million effort. That's pretty good, right? That helps us. Yeah. Um, so two things. One is uh, I would like to see teams value winning more so that you can see who makes winning plays. Uh, and who's making them in crunch time? Who is able to execute under pressure? There, there's value to that. And so some of these games were such garbage that uh, you couldn't even evaluate at that. It's hard enough to evaluate, you know, the really good pick and roll player, uh, the pure shooter who gets two shots a game because no one wants to pass. It's hard enough. But if you at least are in competitive games and trying to win, you can evaluate people based on that. And I just, I don't see the emphasis on winning um, as much as I'd like, even if you didn't play your best players, uh, you still got to coach up a group to win. I was talking to you about this earlier. Uh, I wouldn't even care if you don't run the same system as your, as your, as your varsity mm-hmm. runs, try to win games and see, can they make winning plays? And it turns out you have a guy that's really, really good in that system. Well, maybe you think about adding some of those wrinkles into what you do because it helped you win. And the second thing is, you know, my first experience with summer league is, Oh, I, I was, it starts in 1999, but I'll fast forward a couple years later to 2003, LeBron's summer, rookie summer. I went to his first game in Orlando. They played that in the big arena. Most games were played actually in the RDV complex back then, which is like a practice facility. But um, yep. at that summer, I was in Boston with Udonis playing with the Heat. I'm sorry. I was in Orlando with Udonis playing with the Heat. And then his agent had him play with the Spurs to try to get some leverage in Boston Summer League, mm-hmm. which was called the Shaw Summer League. And he played in two summer leagues. I think, I think he might have finished third in rebounding in one, second in the other, played great defense. He couldn't shoot yet. And back then, all you wanted was big guys with some mid-range shots. But it was clear to me that the guy had won a ton in, at Florida. He played well for Miami. The Spurs went undefeated. And he was not their best player. They had a good team. Rafer Alston was on that team. Uh, they were good. But Udonis was very good. And I thought he would have a ton of teams offer veteran camp uh, invites. And uh, one team did. The Heat, they paid him, I believe it was $75,000 to come to camp. That's it. We were told by the acting GM that he'll probably never dress for a game all year. But at least he's on the team for now. <laughs> and they just disable him. They put him on the disabled list back then. Mm-hmm. Well, and there we go. You're 20. They're begging, to, they're begging <laughs> to come back still. So 30 teams had a chance to take them. Everyone passed on them the year before in the draft. Everyone but Miami. Right. And really, Miami didn't really go all in. If someone had offered $75,000 in one cent, they might have got them. In fact, I think they would have. I don't think he really <laughs> would have loved to stay in Miami. There's a lot of pressure when you're a hometown team. Right. And, uh, and so there's going to be undrafted players like Kenneth Lawson Jr., that uh, that'll end up being playing important minutes like PJ Tucker or someone. I think he was a second round pick mm-hmm. actually, but he was cut. 
um, you know, for years mm-hmm. he was out of the league. There, these guys are going to be able to make a difference, and and referencing bonus wins is yeah. part of it because you're going to pay them a little bit of money, and they're going to give you good, really good value. And those guys uh, are going to be in in the want from NBA teams in the hunt for championships. Yeah, and and it's the margins, right? Like these, those are the areas that matter, you know. And it's we have it a little bit later in the rundown, but I want to bring it up now because okay. I think it's illustrative of what we're talking about. So uh, Chris Haynes at Yahoo Sports uh, sat down with James Harden recently and Harden said, you know, he talked to Daryl Morey about what they could do to improve the team's roster. And Daryl's, you know, was giving him the whole, you know, Daryl's a math guy and, and, you know, the data and saying, well, you know, if we get these guys to help us, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, according to uh, Chris Haynes, Harden said to to Daryl, sign whoever you have to sign and we'll work out my deal with whatever money's left. And... That's illustrative, right? Because James Harden, when you look at a player of his caliber, and he's not the same guy he was in Houston when he was leading the league in estimated wins at 20 a season, right? Doing what Jokic is doing now, right? Jokic is like 18 or 19, but like what Steph Curry was doing in 2016, what Durant was doing in his MVP season in 2014, he ain't that type of player anymore, but he's still valuable. He had 11.2 uh, estimated wins this year. Difference is he's being pl- paid like, uh, he has, you know, he, he's being paid like a $45 million guy. And that's like, well, that's a little too much. If his salary gets brought down to what it should be, which is what it looks like it's going to be with this new deal, that's what allows you to open it up to get these other guys. Uh, Tucker, who, you know, we have our thoughts about him being a little too old, but whatever. They got the Anthony Melton from Memphis, who we both like. Um, they have, uh, of course, um, Maxie, who we love. And... I didn't realize this. Trevelyan Queen, who they picked up, was the NBA G League MVP this past season. So they got young guys and different guys who can help the roster. And of course, they have the big person who matters, Joel Embiid, who plays like an MVP. Well, if Harden gets paid what he should get paid, this helps everything else on the margins. And I think, again, this is where smart teams make good decisions, right? They're not overpaying for guys who are not delivering the wins they need because it's a salary cap league. And then you're hamstrung. And then it's like, well, I got nothing I can do a la the Los Angeles Lakers, which we discuss all the time. Yeah, the Spurs, you know, traded Jonathan Murray uh, because he's mm-hmm. just not – we're guessing this. Uh, based on bonus wins, he's not going to be able to get a lot of bonus wins because he's being paid so much money. And, and, and they're not in contention and far from it. And right. yet they extended Kelvin Johnson because it's a lot less mm-hmm. money. Four, four years at 80. Yeah, it was yep. a thousand mm-hmm. he made. Wow. Mm-hmm. Four years yeah. at 80. Yep. Um, so I think – which is, a, which is a good good deal for them. And, I think you know. this is where we're going to head is, is uh, I mean, this is why Phoenix probably didn't want to pay Eaton, you know? And, um, you know, here's, here's the funny thing too is, as a player, if you're going to, if you're going to really, if you're going to demand that big number, well then be prepared to disappoint because you may not be <laughs> able to outplay it. And if you just if right, you're just delivering right. what you earn, that that mm-hmm. that's in a sense a, a lack of value. A team wants to be able to get someone who earns more than mm-hmm. what he actually mm-hmm. is being paid mm-hmm. for. Earns more in terms mm-hmm. of value mm-hmm. and wins. So it's gonna be an interesting fight, and I think yeah we're gonna see a real battle between the uh, accounting nerdy guys. I, I don't have a problem with either word. <laughs> against the former players in control. Now, I will tell you, there are former players who are running teams, but they are absolutely trusting their cap guys. And there are some former players that have brilliant math minds. But 
but mm-hmm. but they were players, not not because they're dumber, mm-hmm. because that's what they were great at. Right. And so these other guys who weren't so good at basketball spent their extra time studying right. math. The few guys that mm-hmm. can do both, like I heard James Jones is really good with financial figures. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised. He didn't want to give Hayden his max deal. He he gets it. So um, mm-hmm. we're gonna see a battle. Bar- Charles Barkley will love it. Yeah. Charles Barkley is going to love it because I think we're going to see some head scratching deals. And I think that's going to be the basis of it. And we know in this next collective bargaining deal that comes up, there's going to be the owners are going to want to start taking stuff back, right? It's going to be a battle between the PA and the, and the owners about what to do with these contracts, right? Because the reason why teams are in this, in this situation is because by the time you're eligible to earn these super max deals where you're making 40, 50, 60 million dollars. Well, you've already had had to been an MVP multiple times. Well, that usually don't happen until you're in your late 20s. And by the time you're ready to get that contract, we're now in the early part of our 30s, a la James Harden, right? He was eligible to get a five-year, $269 million deal, which would have paid him at the end, I don't know, somewhere over 60-something million dollars. He, there's no way he was going to, he wouldn't have even made the value of that. Forget about yeah. bonus wins. He wasn't going to give you the wins worthy of that money. Yeah. And that's, that's your challenge when you have a salary cap league. If there's no salary cap, then who the hell cares? Pay, pay whatever you want, right? Like, knock yourself out. But we, you know, we, we in the smart teams, they got to kind of figure out how do we play around with the numbers. And you look at Golden State, right? Kevon Looney, that's, a, that's someone they had to keep, but they couldn't keep everybody, yeah. right? Peyton the second had to go because they're like, well, we can't, this is no, we can't do that, right? We're going to put us way, 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 way over the gap. And out of work. Yeah, and to Scott Anderson. So, yeah, the hope is that, Wiseman, Kaminga, and Moody, guys on small deals, can replicate all well, those same wins they got. Yeah, not guys. rookie deals, because Kaminga, well, yeah, all three right, are lottery right. picks, and Wiseman's making a good chunk of change yeah, yeah. at number well, two. Yes. But no, your yes. point is right. So that, did you did you yes. watch them play at all? I did. They got a chance. All three. I, I, I love Me I too. love Kaminga a lot. I I just because what they you know this part of the reason they got Kevin Durant right. They, where they always seem to lack is having size on the wing for whatever reason. I don't know why. They just, they just don't have it. And Kaminga, oh my God, he's so like, talk about a guy that can switch one through four probably. Maybe the occasional small ball five too. Um, he's just, I feel like he can be so good defensively for them. And he can spread it out, shoot the three. I love what I see from him. Moody I like, of course. Um, and Wiseman, yeah. I mean, you know what's funny to me? And I actually asked yeah. you this question because you're a development yeah. coach. He looks a little robotic and mechanical to me when I watch him, particularly on his on his shot. What do you think? Oh, I don't care. Yeah, I don't care. <laughs> um, I I think there's lots we can talk about James Weissman. Al Orford has always been a pretty um, robotic player. He, he's pretty good. Sure. <laughs> he he is pretty good. He, he, you're right. So he's, um, he is. I uh, I mean, honestly, I didn't even judge Weissman. This this dude has barely. This is like game six. <laughs> yeah. Barely, in like right, three years. Exactly. I mean, he played a little bit his rookie year, of course. Um, and then he got hurt right when I thought he was really going to start coming around. He got hurt the same day I wrote an article about him. Uh, I mean, that guy's been out a long time. And, and unlike a Clay Thompson, who's got an encyclopedia of reference points, Weissman's got mm-hmm. some junior of high school. And boy, he dominated everybody. <laughs> so it's just going to be a work in progress. He made some great catches. One on a Kaminga pass. By the way, Kaminga was playing point guard for them some. I love that. Mm-hmm. Which is love good. that. Yeah. He's a stud. Um, and uh, he he had a couple of nice block shots. He he moves athletically well. He's explosive. You know, it's just if by April he can give them you know ten minutes a game, they should be happy. It's it's you got to just pile on the minutes, whether it's with the 
the varsity or the, or the JV, it doesn't matter to me. He's got to play. He just needs to play. Yeah. And, uh, and then I think, I think he's ended up being fantastic. Um, uh, he's got every bit the upside Aiden has. Every bit the upside Aiden has. Mm. He needs to learn how to play. They got to coach him up. Mm-hmm. Uh, Aiden used to shoot threes and stopped. Wiseman made some threes. I don't know what he shot for the summer league, but um, he's just, you know, the, the game's got to be whizzing by everywhere. But he found a couple of moments where he, do, he did well, and um, they don't need him to do great. And they got Kavan. No. Yeah. So he'll back up Kavan, yeah. and, and uh, they'll be just fine. They can, they, they, they have, I mean, Moody, you said it, plus Poole. So Poole. Poole, Moody, Weissman, and Kaminga. That's their future to go along with what they have right now. They're looking good. They look good. Pretty good. Uh, Well, if Clay's got an encyclopedia of reference points, what does Weissman have? A coloring book? I mean, yeah. He's, I, I think I told you, I, I bought a handwriting book to learn how to write cursive again. That's all he has. And, and it's not even fair because uh, he was so dominant in high school, he didn't need reference points. It doesn't yeah. matter. And then in the NBA, you know, if you've ever driven in a city, you've never, this is the day, now we all have these phones, but it used to be you had to, you had to commit stuff to, to the map and you kind of learned your way mm-hmm. around. But if someone was in the car with you telling you what to turn, you didn't learn shit. So if you went back to San Diego or some city you knew before and, and you were by yourself, you wouldn't know how to get anywhere back in the day before the internet too. You had to buy a, a, literally a paper map. He, I, I mean, th- that, that, those games were whizzing by him his rookie year. I doubt he has many reference points from it. If he went back and watched tape, that would have been wise uh, uh, because he kind of sees some things and maybe would jog some things in his memory. But this summer league has good, been good. He, he'll get some good reference points mm-hmm. from that. He's got Draymond. I mean, those guys really want him to be successful, and they're good at that. They yeah. give a lot of love. They know how to give Royal Jelly in that franchise. So that'll help too. Yeah. They do. They do. Uh, the other piece about Summer League that we think is helpful is not just for players, but for coaches. <clears throat> um, young coaches, development guys on the bench, uh, guys who are, because you know, there's like a process, right? Your development guy, your second row, then your first row, and you move up the first row. It takes, you know, that's your chosen path. It takes you a while to get if you want to be a head coach. And I think there is. There's another area there where you can learn and get something of value. Um, Becky Hammond, when she's with the Spurs, they won the Summer League title while she was head coach. She's now head coach of the Las Vegas Aces in WNBA. Doing pretty well, right? Like, one of the best teams in the league. Of course, she's got excellent talent. But as a coach, you know that. You're, it's repetition. You're learning skills, how to communicate, how to, you know, in a stressful situation. Crap, I got to quickly dock around and play. What are we going to run here? Like, all the different things you need to do that I think help you going forward. So, you know... Summer League is also great for coaches. For sure. You know, I, I don't know how much poker you watch or have played. Um, I, I don't watch much, but I've watched some. And, uh, you know, Rounders was one of my favorite movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, it still is. And, um, you know, Matt Damon talks about it. I'm just going to outplay Jack, uh, Johnny Chan, I think his name was. Um, and uh, this is what coaching a lot of, uh, is, is a lot like, is you, you want to outcoach the other guy. And in poker, sometimes you're, you have better cards. But sometimes you don't, and you still have to outplay your opponent. That's the kind of what the average person probably doesn't really understand about poker is there is it's, it is not luck. It is skill. The, the world's best players win repeatedly because they're just outplaying their opponents. And you, you can give the world's best player and put him in a, a typical neighborhood poker game, and it doesn't matter what he's going to get he's gonna, or, or she. They're going to clean up because they know how to play the game. So the best coaches find ways to win. Just year in, year out, typically – uh, especially in these kind of environments, whereas in the NBA, you have so much 
resources to study from and learn from and tendencies and data. You don't have that for summer league. You just got out coach that guy over there. And, uh, and some guys are good at it and some guys aren't. And so Portland got themselves a win. Their coach did a good job. They should feel good about that. That's an encouraging thing yeah. for the franchise that they have them if they keep them. And, but it's good for his, his career and his agent. I'm sure is happy too. Yeah. I mean, and you know, to your point uh, about Portland, again, if the entire organization, which I don't, I don't know if they are, but given that the team's probably up for sale, it's yeah. highly unlikely. This would be a nice piece to add to rebuilding the culture of the Trailblazers, right? Okay, look what we just did here. Let's take that. Let's add that as one of our gems right on our little cornerstones to building this, this team of the future that we want in this culture of the future. I highly doubt that's what's going on, but... If it were, that, that would be a, a great piece or a great place for them to start. But, you know, some teams do what they do. <clears throat> On to more pressing matters. Um, I know you talked, we talked a little bit about this last week. Um, Donovan Mitchell and him heading to New York. If he goes there, you know, is Randall out. Um, I mean, from salary standpoint, I think he'd probably have to be um, just because for the salaries to match. He might be the only player close. Although Fournier is at 20, yeah, I'm going to say. Yeah, that maybe. Um, so he and maybe a younger guy may be able to work. I mean, the question probably is, is does Danny want Julius Randle? Which I would probably venture to no. say no. <laughs> no, I wouldn't think so. Yo, that's the question is I did rumor today about um, about Julius Randle be on the move if they get Donovan Mitchell. Uh, I, over the weekend, well, last week I, I tweeted out, we talked about a deal where uh, Donovan goes to New York, the Lakers get Derrick Rose and Mike Conley and a bunch of the Utah's players and Utah takes Westbrook and waves them. And then this weekend, there's some reporting that that's in discussion. I'm not convinced that's true. Uh, um, it makes sense to me. Uh, mm-hmm. Donovan to New York. I mean, I, I said, as a center Friday, he's a terrific talent. Um, yeah. Yeah. The, the, why wouldn't the Nets want him? You know, why wouldn't yeah, why wouldn't yeah. they, they're, if they're trying to win? Um, I don't know how they do it. They're not going to trade KD, but um, KD. Danny Danny doesn't want Kyrie. So. I don't think so. Yeah, and I don't know who I don't know who wants Kyrie. Talk about a guy that's really wow. you know, This is something you know. You and I both are very much player empowerment guys, and uh, I had a, a dear friend who doesn't follow sports at all. Uh, a very 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 liberal woman who just doesn't think about sports for one second, but she said to me. Um, you know, something she she kind of laughed at the idea about athletes making so much money, and I forget how I phrased it, but she said, you know, these and she wasn't talking about NBA. She doesn't she couldn't tell you two teams in the NBA. Uh, she's a world traveler, and she knows more about soccer and football probably. But she said they all making so much money. I said, would you prefer the oligarchs to make the money? And then she had never <laughs> thought about that. She's like, oh, like it clearly changed her. Yeah. But with power comes responsibility, and sure. if you handle that poorly, well, then you got to pay the penalty. Like KD right now yeah. uh, uh, is in purgatory a little bit. He put himself there. Yeah, I, I, I think yeah. there's some teams that likely would pull the trigger if, if they knew they were getting the KD that was all in. But we know, mm-hmm. we know in the last year of his deal in Golden State, he had mm-hmm. that, inf- that battle with Draymond. And you could mm-hmm. see, I believe, read his lips was something like, that's why I'm out of here. That's why I'm leaving. Like he mm-hmm. said that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're playing great, mm-hmm. and they would have won the title, I think, had they not gotten hurt. But still, right. he yep. still was mentally kind of checking out. And now he's done it again mm-hmm. after just a couple of seasons. Yeah. And Kyrie has made himself a, just a terrible mess. Um, 
I mean, who who would take a chance on him? Well, it's interesting about the Kyrie thing. So he was supposed to play Drew League yeah. this past weekend in L.A. And instead, and this is like classic Kyrie, he was at Phil Handy's basketball camp instead helping the kids. Well, who's going to criticize you for helping the yeah. kids, Kyrie? You're at a camp. But knowing Kyrie and like how he likes to do things to his own agenda and whatever, he did that purposely. He's like, ah, I'm going to go to this camp instead and show you guys. And it's like, dude, again, if you can't commit to exhibition basketball, which is what Drew League is, how the hell am I convinced you're going to show up to training camp and play NBA ball? Matter of fact, I know you won't because we have the data to prove it, right? The last five years and some of it's injuries, so whatever, I'll give him that. He's played in 58% of the available regular season games. 58%. Like, that. again, if I'm Joe Sy, of course I'm not going to give you no Supermax extension. Where a guy's going to show up to work maybe five times every 10 days? Nah. Like that's not, that's not, that's, that's not, that's not ideal. And now for whatever reason right now, because they don't extend them or whatever, Katie's angry about it. And it's like, dude, but you love to ball and you love to hoop. You always say, let me die out there. You want to play every single minute. Your buddy does not share that same feeling about basketball. So forget about I'm friends with them off the court. So that's cool. You can maintain that. But how do you guys jive spiritually on the floor as basketball players? When you're so different, you want to always play and do anything to play. This guy's like, meh, maybe I will, maybe I won't. Like that in and of itself has got to create conflict for you. And so, you know, I, I, that situation in Brooklyn is 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 crazy. We've talked about it a billion times. I, Katie's not going anywhere because no team's going to have enough stuff to give the Nets um, that they want. And to your point, Kyrie, nobody wants them besides the Lakers. And the Nets don't want to take back the Westbrook deal unless they get draft picks. And it seems like the Lakers are playing hardball on that again i would not be surprised if they wave and stretch them right yeah. like you go away and now that 36 million gets spread out over the next three seasons yeah yeah you know uh did you ever did you ever watch entourage mm-hmm. uh do you watch all of the episodes okay you're no. in the arc. so i mean he's he basically the the character that the, you know, the movie star he gives you he and his friends Give us the blueprint for how not to behave as a celebrity. <laughs> They're unreliable, not dependable. They talk a good game, but they, they were not reliable. They're threatening to fire the agent all the time. It's a great show. I love the show. I've watched it two or three times and <laughs> love it. I laugh my ass off. But it's a good blueprint. On, uh, in fact, year one, 2004, was like my first full year helping NBA players. So I've kind of always seen the parallels. And... As someone who does pay attention to that world, the entertainment world, uh, the actors, so, so NBA players, as someone who deals with them all the time, they have a standing reputation as not giving a fuck about details often enough. I think celebrities of anything, of any walk of life are very similar mm-hmm. because they don't have to. Mm-hmm. But right. if you want to be the franchise guy, it's exactly the same as in movies. And Ari used to teach that to his client, Vince. Mm-hmm. Like, you walked away from Aquaman 2 because you want to make Medellin. Well, you never landed another franchise in the arc of the, of the story, and that's how it would play out in real life. Uh, except for maybe 10, 15 years later, if you, like, you know, John Travolta kind of turned your life around, so to speak, or whatever. Mm-hmm. You need to be dependable. You need to be reliable. They need to know you're going to go to every press conference, get early, be early, stay late, shake every hand, answer every question. Like, that's part of it. You don't get paid for the mm-hmm. acting. You get paid for the marketing in many respects. Well, Kyrie is in the, Kyrie is deserving 
of the one of the best players in the world moniker. I think we both agree on that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Agreed. So um, I, I, you can, people can criticize LeBron all they want. You're, you're, it's free. It's, well, we used to be a free country. Um, <laughs> LeBron probably laughs all the time. Like, talk about a guy that gets it. Like, he, he, mm-hmm. he gets it, man. He, when he's got to show up, he's showing up. When he, he's put, I mean, I would, no one would ever call him lazy. Have you seen video of him recently, by the right. way? Have you seen? No, what's he doing? I mean, he looks like he's 24 years old. Have we not talked about this? Gerard, <laughs> no, he looks like he's 24. He's, he's, he's in the best shape of his Has life. He said that because he looks it. It's a no, joke. He, well, I, it, it's funny because Bobani Jones does this thing where he's like, you know what players are getting old when he does the whole, I'm in the yeah. best shape of my but, life. It's like, it's okay. real. <laughs> he looks unbelievable. No, and that's exactly I mean, what he needs he's to do. He's committed. He's committed. Yeah. Like the one thing, look, you can argue about LeBron being a crap GM and yeah. too much power. All Fine. that's yeah. all fair. He's coming to yeah. work. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, he's showing up. The he, other dude. He's been putting movies out. Right? His, his production company's putting out movies. I saw one the other day. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is, this is where um, the young players going into the NBA, and there is some, there is some entitlement uh, uh, to, some, sure. to some of these guys, as there has been in every generation, I should add. Um, mm-hmm. But you want to be a franchise guy? Well, you can't just be 20 and 10 guy. There's a lot more to that it. There's enough. a lot more to it. Mm-hmm. And they, they could learn from that. And, they, and they, just like I would say, I would tell young players, watch Entourage and learn what not to do, how not to treat your agent, how not to treat your bosses. Uh, so too, the Kenny alert from Kyrie. And, and in a sense, KD. KD had so much mm-hmm. goodwill, as much as there was. Mm-hmm. He just seemed like a mm-hmm. classic hoopster. And he's, mm-hmm. he's not played this, his hand great. He, but he no. can turn it around some. Kyrie may... Tyree's got sure. years to go before people will trust him again. Oh, yeah. Well, because ultimately, the reason why KD can turn his situation around is because he comes to work. Oh, for plays, sure. He's right? a great like, teammate. Yeah. That's, never, that's never the issue. He plays, yeah. right? It's, are you sure you want to be aligned with this dude? Like, why? Like, it's just, you know, n- none of it right. makes sense. But, you know, look, Joe's side, that's, he and Sean Marks have to figure that out and deal with however they deal with that. I mean, I... You know, we talk about this all the time. The other things that have to do with basketball, not just the on-the-court stuff. You want to bring him to camp? Not not KD, Kyrie. Like, Black Cloud, right? It's just, there's going to be something. I'm not doing press today. It's like, oh, here we go, right? It's The, the, the minute it starts, there's going to be something on day one. Yeah, I'm not doing that. And then here we go again. And it also, for the team, it sets a bad precedence for your younger guys, right? Like, it's like, oh, this is to your point. Oh, is how the NBA works. I can be like Kyrie. I'm not going to go do press. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that. That ain't the way. And I think, again, Joe Sy would and Sean would much rather say, you know what? We would rather pay you not to be here because at least the guys who are here will do what they have to do. And that that may be worth it in and of itself, right? Joe Sy's a businessman. He probably makes that math calculus. If we don't get the deal we want, $12 million a year over the next three just to get rid of them, okay, I'll do it. Yeah. You know? That's Did a sunk you cost. Ever, do you watch The West Wing? Did you watch the West Wing? Okay. Yeah. Did you ever watch the show mm-hmm. called Parks and Rec? Okay. A little bit. I'm almost mm-hmm. done with West Wing. Trying to get it done before the next season starts, the next NBA season starts. And if so I got a little time, I think I'm going to do it. And uh, and I've seen maybe a season and a half of Parks and Rec. Rob Lowe has not been on the show yet. And my brother and my kids told mm-hmm. me once he's on the show, it gets much, much better. Uh, it's funny. And then with him, it's even funnier. Um, but I listened to that Smartless podcast. And... Um, mm-hmm. 
Amy Poehler's, who's a star on that show, her ex-husband is on, mm-hmm. and he was he yep. was telling a story about how Amy Poehler came home when they first landed Rob Lowe on the show, which was near the end of season two. And, you know, mm-hmm. at that point, no one on the show was a big celebrity except for Amy Poehler from SNL, but that right. had never really turned into anything else. And um, they just had a bunch of bit role players in a sense. Rob Lowe yeah. was a superstar, you know, movie star, oh, yeah, TV sure. star. I'd been on West Wing for years. Uh, uh, and Amy Poehler, um, uh, Will Arnett, her ex-husband said, she came home and talked about how everyone was just kind of watching his first scene from behind, the, you know, off camera. Mm-hmm. And they were, just, she came home and said, everyone was talking about how professional he was. Like, oh, this guy has been doing this a long time. He's already probably in his 40s at that point and had been acting professionally. He was a heartthrob as a teenager. And he was, he was part of the Brat, brat yeah, Pack, wasn't and he? He knows. Yeah, he was. yeah, that's my generation. He knows how to be a total pro. We talk about to our to players we talk to all the time about being professional. It'd be, it'd be extra stuff that needs to happen. And there just are some players who just never get it. Uh, a guy that used to struggle with it was J.R. Smith. He entered the league at 18 mm-hmm. years of age. I feel like J.R. gets it now better than ever. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't mm-hmm. play basketball anymore. Uh, it's better to learn it. Um, Howard Garfinkel, the famous Hall of Fame guy, he just got in the Hall of Fame for basketball. He used to have a great saying. Uh, say hello before it's time to say goodbye. He used to say it to the campers and the mm-hmm. coaches. I really like mm-hmm. that. And for some of these guys, whether you're just barely going to make it and maybe you won't make it or the real superstar, learn how to do it the right way before all of a sudden you don't get a chance anymore because that's, mm-hmm. that's how mm-hmm. it goes. And uh, yeah. Kyrie, yeah. I think it's very unlikely he's ever going to figure it out in time. And it's too bad because instead of having a nice, you know, last eight, nine years of his career, it could be a very rocky road. This coach, he's only 29, 30, right. 29. Yeah. Like, it's just, uh, you know, it's sticking on this idea. What, obviously, I think teams are looking at this now. I don't think, I mean, there's always going to be one team that probably tries to do it. But I think the majority of teams are going to move away from this. Let's get three big names together and assemble them and then try to figure out the rest. Now, if it happens organically, homegrown, that's a different story. But the idea of let me assemble a bunch of Supermax dudes, I think teams are over that. They're, gonna, they're over that now. They're like, this, is not, this isn't going to work for us. Because I don't know that any team can afford it. other than can the afford Warriors, it. right? One, afford it. But two, have the organizational and cultural infrastructure to withstand bringing in three outsized personalities into their, into their team. It's just, it's just too hard. Yeah, too hard, too expensive. I agree. I think that Memphis is really a hell of a model. Uh, Boston's a hell of a model. They, they, they're two best players. Homegrown. Yeah, were both drafted. Mm-hmm. Um, Golden State, obviously, as we talked about, uh, the Pelicans uh, mm. drafted Zion. Uh, Herb Jones mm-hmm. is super important. Mm-hmm. Jose Alvarado is super mm-hmm. important. They traded for CJ. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and they should have brand when he was young. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with that. They, mm-hmm. with that was the AD right. deal. They had drafted AD. Mm-hmm. They turned him into Brandon Ingram. That works just fine. They didn't sign him as a free agent. And they're going to be right. really good. Yeah. Denver, third three, three best players oh, yeah. are homegrown. Uh, mm-hmm. Minnesota is the one team that really, it's going to be an interesting story all year because yeah. they, I mean, people have been writing about this now, Gerard. Uh, Tim Connolly has pissed a lot of people off because Seems he like just <laughs> offered so much to get Rudy 
And it's kind of screwed up the market for everybody else going forward. Well, I mean, it for sure screwed up the Durant market. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, if Rudy Gobert got four firsts and three pick swaps, what the hell is Kevin Durant going to go for? Like, and again, Henry, we talked about this last week. The market and the media set the term for what it is, right? The media says that. And Henry always talks about how GMs can't lose press conferences and can't lose in the court of public opinion. Well, Sean Marks can't take anything less than that for Kevin Durant. They're going to be like, what are you, high? Like, that dude got that. This dude, obviously, one of the greatest players ever. You got to get back even more, right? Some people are saying double that. Again, who's got the double the draft capital? And who's got the players that fit salary-wise that when you get KD to that team, it's a team he wants to play for. Right. Why would you risk it? He he could be he could want to be out of there in six months. That's what I'm saying. I I think if I I'm not not managing Kevin Durant, that's for sure. But if I was working with Kevin Durant in any capacity, I would hope that he would say, you know what? Um, I I've read the tea leaves here. I see the market. Um, I'm gonna stay in Brooklyn. Now, privately, you can say to them, hey, anytime someone calls, please answer the phone. I'm open for other Mm -hmm. things. Um, or he could really the smartest thing would be to say. Let's just talk about it again uh, January 1st. Let's have a meeting New Year's Day uh, if we don't play. And let's, 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 until then, you're never going to hear a word from me other than win, 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 win. Practice, 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 mm-hmm. play, play, play. January 1st, let's meet. Am I meeting your expectations? Is our team meeting your expectations? And then I can ask the same, mm-hmm. you can ask the same thing of me. Are you guys meeting my expectations? The team meeting my expectations? Are we going to commit going forward? Or are we going to privately seek a trade and not say it publicly? That probably needs to happen. But out, out, in public now, I'm going to declare, um, I've changed my mind. Uh, it's, right. I, I'm not going to get what I think I'm deserving. It's not fair to ask Brooklyn, who got rid of all their players right. for me. The problem, though, Gerard, as you know, um, pride's a terrible thing in adults. It is. Uh, I'm sure you're aware. I'm not going to waste more than 10 seconds here. But you know Jim Jordan had basically said that the, the girl was lying. The 10-year-old who got raped and got out of an abortion. She was lying. Mm-hmm. When mm-hmm. called on the fact that, no, it was the truth. He wouldn't apologize. He wouldn't even say, listen, I was, I, I, I was told something, one thing, I made a comment, I'm sorry. It's obviously a tragedy. There's no fucking way he'll do it. It's seen as a sign of weakness. I don't know why. I'm the king of apologizing at home. My wife likes me just fine. She doesn't see me as weak. Uh, that would be really great for Durant to say, you know, I'm wrong. I'm sorry. And the Nets, the Nets could, could meet him halfway and say, we, we wish we could have handled Kyrie better. We wish we could have handled yeah. the wrong word. We wish we would have inspired Kyrie to just get the fucking shot. Like it's, it's over mm. in the blink of an eye. Just get I it. Like, I, 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 I like that you, 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 you changed your diction there. You used yeah. inspired instead yeah. of handled. Yeah, he's a grown man. Um, you can't be handling Kyrie. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> I, forgive me, but I did spend a good portion of my life working with teenagers. They have to be handled. Including my own, all right? <laughs> They've got to be moved around and whatever. Uh, grown men don't need to be handled. They need to be, they need to be inspired. They, you need to be reasoned with. And they failed. So we meet them halfway and say, you know, we understand Katie was frustrated. We, we did not do what we thought we could do. But we're thrilled that he wants to be back. And then it's done. Mm-hmm. Because let me tell you something. Absent that, all he's going to get is questions about that, right? After yeah. every win or loss, it's coming. <laughs> <laughs> it's the same thing I was saying his final year at Golden State. I'm like, all you had to do was right. in that opening season press conference. I am not answering any questions about free agency 
until the end of the season when I make my decision. Anybody who asks me questions, I'm not going to answer going forward. That would have stopped everything, but you chose not to. So all season long, question, 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 and especially when disaster struck. So in that regard, things could work the reverse for Brooklyn. Look, a healthy Ben Simmons who, if the Nets inspire, forget about Kyrie. Let's assume he's he's waved and stretched. With the with the guys they got, and with Kevin Durant playing, look, when he plays for the Nets, if you look at his numbers, he's essentially an MVP candidate, right? That that's the numbers he right. puts up. They can be a winning team, and if they're winning come January one, maybe his tune changes. Maybe he's like, you know, this ain't half bad. We can make a little extra move here and get somebody. For sure, and, you know, didn't they just I, didn't they stay. just say they're not um, they're not looking to trade Joe Harris? Yeah, yeah, they got because they can't tank. They, got, they can't tank because of the right. The they got Royce O'Neal, who's okay. Right. I'm not a fan, but he's not terrible. Right. Right. Better than a lot of players. Right. Better than a lot of you know bad players. He's average. They got Joe. Uh, they got Claxton mm-hmm. back. They they've got plenty of guys. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they could they could absolutely, and then they could be a, buy, a Patty Patty Mills is back. They could they be a buyer Harry. on the buyers on the on the uh, on the buyout market. And who knows if mm-hmm. one of their young players plays well and you decide to trade him for a better player right now? There's all sorts of possibilities. Um, that's what needs to happen. Uh, I don't have confidence it will, but I, I, I don't think it's a terribly run franchise like some of these other franchises. No. The, the, the weird thing was that last season, they were in first place in the Eastern Conference, uh, I want to say January something. And then they freaked out because everybody's getting Omicron. And Katie's like, we got to get Kyrie back in here. And from that point on, disaster. It's like, you, you were fine. There, were, there was no, even no need to rush up. Like, it was okay. You would have weathered it probably just fine. You know, these these rash decisions I think we make in emotionally heightened moments. Uh, yeah, I, don't know. I don't know if they're, they're always never best. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it, Henry brought up a tweet that I thought was interesting that I think it'd be great if we discussed. Um, so Giannis, um, this was after the 2013-2014 season. And the Bucks went 15 and 67, which of course bad, is not bad, good. Bad. Um, really bad. They might have been the worst. Was that after his that rookie year. season? Uh, yeah, I believe so. Yeah, 20, uh, 13, 14? Yeah, it sounds about right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, he tweets I'll never leave the team and the city of Milwaukee till we build the team to a championship level team. It needs a lot of work, but me and the guys, we're ready to take the challenge. Hashtag hate lose, hashtag becoming a leader at Bucks. Since then, eight years ago, all he's done is been a two-time league MVP, defensive player of the year, NBA champion, NBA finals MVP, six-time all-tar, I would imagine four-time all-NBA, member of the NBA's 75th anniversary team. Well, there's a guy who lived up to his promise, right? And I think it's it's interesting and it's illustrative of so many different things here. And one of the things that like the negative side of this that annoys me is how people latch on to things like that and talk about it in a way that I think is disingenuous and not fair. And this idea of, well, this is Giannis, the perfect superstar, the European model. See, these, you're not, he didn't play AAU like these American guys. Bah, 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 bah. And they ascribe all these other feelings they have about non-basketball-related things hmm. onto Giannis. And, and it's like, uh, look, maybe they just got lucky, right? Like, let's be real. The Suns were up 2-0. If they don't like, right, maybe that goes differently. Hell, Durant's toes on the line. They don't go to the NBA. It's just so many things happen along the way. Yes, he stayed. But remember, when they got beat by the Heat 
and embarrassed in the bubble. He was asked by Malik Andrews, um, you know, Giannis free agency is coming up, and he got really pissed and didn't even answer the question and walked out of the, the postgame presser. He hadn't committed yet to signing and saying, I would venture to say that was a moment, and Horst was the, is the GM there. He, he could have been like, look, behind closed doors, we got to do something better. I'm out of here. Oh, don't you know, lo and behold, they get Drew Holiday the next season, blah, blah, blah. Things get a whole lot better. But, right, there was no guarantee he was staying. Just because he said he was didn't mean it was going to happen. He didn't even say that. He's, he, he was weird. He said, till we're contenders. So what does that mean? Once I help you guys get to be pretty good, I, I can leave now? I thought that was poorly <laughs> worded. He's a young guy, and English is not his first language. But, <laughs> right, right. Um, yeah, it's, I, of course, uh, the, the, to the victors go the spoils. They got to write history. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Steph Curry's from America. As far as I know, he's from North Carolina. Yeah. Where is he born? Doesn't matter. Who cares? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter. Well, he's born in Cleveland, but grew yeah, up in North exactly. Carolina. None of it. Yeah. Either of it matters. But, yeah, we, we, we mm-hmm. have, someone's tell me, an NBA coach told me the other day that he trusts North Carolina players. And, uh, like the, the state yeah, of North Carolina yeah, yeah. or no, 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 university? State. And I, oh. he's, he, this guy was a high-level player before he got into coaching. I get it. He's from North Carolina. Uh, I, and, I, and I happen to – I've coached a lot of Carolina players. I really, I really like them. But there's nothing in the water. And it's not even in the culture. Right, it's right. individual. Every individual is different, you know? Um, if Steph Marbury was raised in North Carolina, maybe, maybe he would end up being the best point guard of all time. Maybe. But he, he, Steph made his own decisions. It wasn't just because he's a New York mm-hmm. City guard. And I think there's a – Netflix series coming out about that, right? A, a documentary coming out called uh, Point Gods, and it's about the New York City guards. So, like, him, Kenny the Jet Sham Smith, God. Kenny Anderson, like, Sham, yeah. all, all those guys being produced by 35 Ventures, Rich Rich Kleiman, and Kevin Durant's production company. Oh, I didn't even realize that. I, I coached some of those mm-hmm. guys mm-hmm. back in the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't wait to watch that. Um, Be good. And Marbury, I thought, was the best of all of them. But uh, whatever. Uh, in Europe, they do some things better than us. Um, I am very concerned about what's going on in America now, basketball-wise. Sure. sure. Uh, I watched EYB. So right now, the big EYBL event, mm-hmm. which for anyone listening, who cares? It's, it's like the high school showcase now. It used to be the Nike camp, and then it was Nike or ABCD right. camp, and Five Star Camp was mm-hmm. always there uh, to, to a little bit less degree because it would get to pay for that mostly. Um, now it's the Peach Champ. So it's the EYB of the best mm-hmm. teams. All, a, all all-star AAU teams, more or less. All the best players are there. I watched the game yesterday because one of my one of my my best friends son was two years old. His son's on one of the best teams. He starts. And I, I'm in my office where I'm doing this right now with you, watching on my PC. And then I'm going into my my TV room. This is my writing room, my office, to watch summer league games. I'm going back and forth a little bit. Mm-hmm. Oh man, that was not good for my stomach. <laughs> it, it was terrible basketball in the summer league uh but compared to eybl obviously way better eybl was atrocious it was garbage yeah, yeah. to the nth degree i felt so bad for these players uh they don't know what they're doing they're just athletic and skilled and it, it's the blind leading the yeah. blind uh i don't i don't know where the coaches were because the, on the court you can't always see everything but there's not a lot of coaching going on. Now, you watch under right. 16 AAU, under 18 AAU, uh, uh, under 16 in Europe. Um, mm-hmm. th- their talent isn't the same as ours. We have the best players in the world, in my opinion, still, by and large, by a huge margin, actually. Mm-hmm. But they're getting tactically trained better on gameplay, not on skill play. Mm-hmm. I-, I think skill play is probably equal. Gameplay. 
And uh, I do have some concerns about, um, I mean, this, this team, this game I was watching, one of the guys going to Duke, um, he's a hell of a mm-hmm. player, Sean Stewart, but um, he's from Orlando. But uh, these guys don't know how to guard anyone. They have no concept of off-ball yeah. defense, very little concept of on-ball. Mm-hmm. Uh, they run around like they've never seen, seen a game in their lives, and they're just super talented and skilled. And what's happening now, Gerard, is from the top down, things are going better. Uh, our NBA game is getting more tactical, not less. The G League is getting more tactical, not less. They have a ways to go, but it's now the second best league in the world based on pure talent. But because most of them are young, it's not the best. If you took the top 10 teams in Europe, they would win every G League game they play. I think they'd go undefeated. I really do. It'd be close. Maybe, maybe lose a game or two, but probably not. Um, because they just have a bunch of real grown-ass men compared to the mm-hmm. 19, 20, 22, 23-year-olds we have in the G League. Who really know how to play. Those guys really know how to play. <laughs> Our guys are learning. The problem is as you go down, a few colleges are doing a good job, not a lot. And then you get to the high school. And don't think for one second high school is worse than AAU or vice versa. It's all equally horrendous with exceptions on both cases. <laughs> There's high school yeah. coaches. The guy yeah, yeah, at Montverde yeah. I heard does a great job. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the IMG guys do a fine job for high school. There's exceptions all over the place. It's not the standard. The same as AAU. There's good programs, mostly god-awful. The practices are a joke. Mm-hmm. The games are a joke. They just accumulate talent. And I've, I've real concerns about what that's going to mean these next 10 years. Uh, because yeah. I don't, and I don't mind that the NBA's international game at all. I think it's great. But we've got, you know, our team USA teams do great because we bring in great coaches. We don't do that in EYBL, whatever. It's, it's a mess. And I, I'm concerned about it going forward. No, I, I think you're right. Like, the, it, you know, AAU, I mean, I don't, you know, I stopped watching college ball a long time ago because college basketball used to be the best 23 and under league in the world. Now yeah. it's the NBA because cash it don't yeah, go. Yeah, right, so I, right. you know, so the great players aren't there. So I don't watch that anymore. And I damn sure don't watch a ton of high school ball anymore. Last high school game I watched, Kevin Durant was playing high school. That's, that's, that's how, that's how I go. But those games, even then coach, they seem like pickup to me. So like the same <laughs> thing I would see if I would go walk into the park they just had jerseys on and nice stuff, and you know they knew each other. But it just seemed like glorified pickup. Best player, ball dominant, which is dominate the ball all the time. He was so good; he get by everybody, get to the rim. I was like, okay, not much defense, not a whole lot going on. I mean, then you had your special teams who had like maybe three or four D one guys on it. Okay, yeah. so they're all playing well together theoretically, but still not great. And you know, I, I wonder is it because coaches at that level to be the AAU guys not that dads don't know what they're doing because you're a dad and you became a very good coach but it's just dads and or like other people who are just like yeah let's just roll the balls out and have some fun and they're not actually like hey we're here for the kids how do we develop them and make the, them the ones that and I, the, I had dinner with one who's got some of the best players in the country every year he was great he he was a father he actually uh works in a in a private jewish school like as an ad during the day Maybe he's an mm-hmm. assistant principal, but then he coaches. He has a big, big AAU program, lots of teams. And boy, he, he knows everything about every player, his mom, his dad, their grades, their hoops, who's recruiting them. He's fucking amazing. He's in it. There's he's not many it. guys like that. And, I, and, I, and it leads me to this point. Uh, right now, as we're talking, Jerron, I'm getting a text from a very good player, plays out West in the NBA. And we're, he, I sent him some some, uh, some of his uh, defensive ratings t- towards the end of the season that were really, really good. The best on his team, some of the best in the league. 
And uh, he wrote back, like, we got to keep working on this. I get, you got to keep teaching me some stuff. I don't think most of these people talk about defense at all. And when I was teaching this guy this last summer, like, some concepts to make himself better defensively, because his coaches, were they're all fired now. They were doing a terrible job. Um, he was shocked at some of the stuff I was teaching him. He's a hell of a player. But they, there isn't he's, – and I, he's been a good player for a long time, like an All-American high school mm-hmm. player. I don't think most coaches value it. But we're trying to win games. The game's mm-hmm. about winning. And that's where I think that's really lost, uh, is what are we doing habitually – and, and religiously or relentlessly to help our guys win more games as opposed to more tricks. Uh, mm. This is why I am stressing summer league winning. Let's find out who makes winning plays and what does that look like and how does that fit our team structure for the varsity? This is where I think the better teams get it. And, and the one thing the, the analytics guys have to their favor is they don't get lost in that. They, they, mm-hmm. that's why PJ Tucker keeps getting paid. He has very <laughs> few tricks, but his metrics look pretty good. And it matters to these teams who know you can plug a man. He can play in that spot. We've got to get our players thinking about winning and not just talking about, it, but thinking about it, mm-hmm. then making winning plays. If we, if we get back to that, uh, you want to get paid, help your team win games. Mm-hmm. And um, get paid for everything. Yeah. And, and listen, and Aiden can argue, well, I didn't get my max deal. Well, no one's crying for you, DeAndre. Like, if you, <laughs> if you want to be upset that you're not getting paid 30 whatever million, instead it's just someone offered you 28 right. million, I got no sympathy for you. Right? right you're yeah, you're going to be yeah. one of the highest paid people on the planet. Right. And you're yeah, fine. the money you're going to make 200 plus million in your career. And if you, you can be upset about that. You can feel aggrieved if you want to. You could even work on sh- Use it as motivation. Yeah, you could even working more threes. Just don't forget what got you there, which is helping your team win games. Yeah, let's help. Mm-hmm. Let's help you win. Help your guys win games. Uh, uh, now, not enough teams value that, but I think eventually every team will, and uh, and that'll raise the price up for these guys that will help you win games. So that's an interesting place for us to to sort of finish out here, which we talked about it at AAU when lower levels. At the NBA level, if you were designing the ideal coaching staff, not about people, what would be the roles of the head guy, the assistants, the player development guys? How would that work? Because I don't imagine a lot of teams in the league have the setup set up right or with the right people. Maybe the setup's right, but the wrong people are in the wrong positions on the bench. Well, the, I don't think anyone really, almost anyone, values player development the way they should. Uh, it, it should be a, it should be an adjunct to management, where when the and the coaches get a visit, because you're developing your long term guys that may not have any impact on your short term team, and so your head coach, uh, he can he can say, hey, if he wants to earn playing time for us this year, we got to get him to do this this and this. That's valuable. But management's got to be thinking, well, we don't want him to only do that because we got to make sure he's shooting the threes or he's working on his handle because eventually we think he can do that as well. Uh, uh, that, that to me is almost like a player development. You know, the player development director should be seeing the biggest, longest-term play. And then I also think that every 
this is my own opinion. I've told this to a few executives I'm friendly with, you know, the last 20 years. Uh, almost every player should have his own workout guy. Find a young guy who's 25, not married, no kids. I don't care if he's married, no kids. Uh, it just it, it seems wrong. I'm sure it's illegal, but I want them to live and breathe like I did when I was 25. <laughs> uh, I didn't realize my best value when I was 22, 23, 24. I've, uh, other coaches told me, the reason why your coach values you so much, my boss, is because you're committed and you're, you're, you're dating a lovely girl still in college. And I just graduated and then we got married and she worked 80 hours a week because she was 20, 21 actually when we got married. And so you live in the gym, like who, do, who wouldn't want that? So that's part of the issue is you, you, the other people coaching against you are 35 with three kids and like they, they're leaving the gym the second they can. You're just getting started mm-hmm. when practice is over with guys. And so you could find guys just and girls living in the gym uh, and have develop a trust with those players where they can talk about what they're doing well, what they're under, understanding. Management has to control that and, uh, and set parameters for that. And, and coaches, the head coaches should be able to come in and witness it. You should have a special teams coach, which is strictly baseline and sideline out of bounds. Same thing defensively. Like you can have specialists for that kind of stuff. They're starting to do it in soccer now. They're, soccer, uh, our Swansea team just hired like a special, uh, a set play coach. That's all nice. they do on set plays is he's putting stuff in. If you watched Ted Lasso, they did one, yeah. I think, to win their last game, actually, with a set play, set piece. So, yeah, I, I think some teams are starting to catch on a little bit. Um, I, you know, I've talked about Ryan Pannone before. Uh, Ryan's mm-hmm. now with the Pelicans. You know, he's not with the G League anymore. Mm-hmm. He's doing great. But honestly, five years ago, someone should have hired him to be head of player development because he had had 25,000 hours of doing it. And uh, there's an art to it. There's an art to breathing spirit into these guys. There's an art in developing confidence when they're not having success, which is baked into the cake of player development is you're going to be bad sometimes. Uh, you're trying to learn a new skill. Uh, but I, I do think it's coming, Toronto. There was a time where there wasn't any on teams. Now there's a, there's a team of them on every team. They just got to get better at it. Yeah, yeah. And that, that seems to be an area, again, depending on what kind of team you have, right? If you're an owner who's, shall we say, cheap, that's an area where you probably limit, right? Where you're like, ah, we don't need that many guys. But if you're thinking long-term, right? If you're light years, <laughs> like Joe Lacob, you're probably like, no, we can spend money in that area. Yeah, Make, tell me what you need on your staff. We'll, we'll do it. This is an elite that's so competitive. You're always looking for what is the undervalued asset, right? What is the area with the market inefficiency where nobody's exploited this? Okay, now we're going in. The league's so copycat that once one team does it, oh, that seems to work for them. Then everybody will jump on. It'll be, be on to the next thing. But yeah, I, I think as much as we always say, and you say this, it's a player's league, but it's also a coach's league, right? Like, and coaching can be that huge difference. I mean, we saw it. I mean, the Celtics are essentially the same team they were last year, right? Same players. Well, look at, and I love you, Eme, and look at, look at uh, uh, Steve Kerr, um, mm-hmm. who I think now we can recognize is as elite as there is. Mm-hmm. Uh, you and I both are mm-hmm. huge fans of Ty Lue. I think mm-hmm. we're going to, we're going to, I know I'm right. I have every bit of confidence in Ty Lue as a coach. Let's just see this Clipper team because mm-hmm. they've, they've got some guys. <laughs> they got some dudes. They're man. healthy? Yeah. yeah, of course. Yeah. They've got, they are mm-hmm. deep, and he is such a, mm-hmm. a pragmatic coach and trying different things. His voice is good. He's low-key. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't know that I won't pick them to win the championship once I see Kawhi play. I need to see Kawhi play. Mm-hmm. I just have no idea. But yeah, if, he's, sure. if he's the guy that he was um, – 
man, they're going to be really good. And Ty is, Ty is going to make them yeah. even better. Yeah, for sure. I mean, coaching, yeah. big difference. All right, folks, we will see you all later this week. Uh, we'll do another Coach and Me show. Oh, we might have a special guest for you actually on Friday. So you definitely want to tune in for that one. Anyway, guys, take care. We'll see you later.